Hi, this is Michelle Astley with Balance Shared, a space where I truly believe we are better together. Today's guest is a flash from the past. In part, thanks to our social media world, I am proud to have Jeffrey Haler on. Jeff and I went to high school together, and because of the wonders of social media, we have been able to connect, or reconnect rather, and I've been on awe of some of the things that you've been doing over the last few years, so I wanted to dig in and hear more of your story. Thank you, Jeff. Welcome. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm so happy to have a platform to share some of these some of these things, so I'm glad to have, and it's really nice just to just to hear from you and you know reconnect as well so thank you for your time i appreciate it very much oh you are welcome so what have you been up to <laughs> well goodness um since i've seen you it's probably been 20 years mm-hmm. and in that time i've done anything from work in a tool and die shop to a dog shelter to a gym volunteering my time at pet food pantries getting married and raising a now 16-year-old, um, going back to school, um, becoming a personal trainer, um, and trying to be my be the best person I can be every day to set an example. Um, so yeah, I've been, I've been pretty busy with any number of things like that. So, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So when... when when I remember you from high school, um, you seemed, you know, like a normal teenage guy. And so what mm-hmm. happened after you graduated? Well, when I, when I graduated, I went to college. I went to, I went to Ferris State for one year in the manufacturing tooling, which is the tool and die type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I decided that I'd rather do an apprenticeship. So after one year... Apprenticeship is like a working, you know, a working certificate. So I could actually make some money and try to do some things. So once I got out of, once I got out of uh, one year of Ferris, I decided to find a job. So I found a job at the now defunct Tomco Tool and I, and they put me through an apprenticeship program. Oh, cool. And so I did the apprenticeship program through Tomco Tool and I onto and finished at Precise Engineering and got my certificate in CNC machining. And that's basically been my bread and butter job for the last 21 years, um, working Mm -hmm. in tool and die, running various CNC machines and programming and doing things like that. So that's been like the money aspect of it to support my family. So from, from high school to there is kind of where I went professionally. Personally, I kind of, the, the nature of tool and die is you work a lot, so you don't have a really big social life. So my social life kind of revolved around the nightlife a little bit, which is not very conducive to having a, a good relationship with anybody. So it just kind of never happened. Mm-hmm. So I was pretty much a, you know, a lone wolf for a while, you know, just hanging out with a few friends that shared the same hours and the same interests basically. Right. Right. I find a lot of jobs end up that way in some, yeah. in some fashion. Yeah. They certainly Difference do. in cultures. Yeah. Like, you know, just work cultures versus, um, you, you know, when, how we're grow, growing up when we're in high school and you find your buddies and you hang out with them all the time. Maybe you attend all the same classes and everything and, yeah, and just, exactly just shifts. It. Yeah, yeah. It's, like a little, it's like a little community that you just kind of put yourself into and it just happens. So, Yeah, right. No choice necessarily. So did you always want to do CNC machining for your bread and butter? You know, I never really knew what I wanted to do. 
when I was growing up. I was never that kid that wanted to be like a policeman or a firefighter or an army man or, you know, anything like that. When I was in school, I didn't have like the interests, like I didn't have like a set interest, like some people just really love to do one particular thing. And I never had that. And mm-hmm. I just, I always, and I'm still this way. I'm, I'm always like, I've always got my fingers in many honey pots, you know, to mm-hmm. point a, or to use a term. So it was just, a, it was just the prompting of a friend that was an auto shop because they had auto shop back then there. He said, Hey, why don't you take machine, you know, a machine shop? I was, didn't think anything of it. And I just signed up for it. Turned out I was halfway decent at it. I'm still, I mean, I'm still learning today, but I'm still, I'm pretty good at what I do and it shows and, you know, where I work and what I do. But it was a prompting of that is a friend just basically told me to sign up and I looked into it and said, okay. And that's when I started. I started with an uh, Ed Tischler's machine theory class and spent two years doing that. And then off I went. Those were classes I did not take in high school. I stuck with French and art. <laughs> well, funny, funny you say that because my daughter is like all about French and art and not about shop. Funny you say that. So she's, <laughs> she's a, my daughter's French, I gosh, French four or French. She's going to be AP French next year. So, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, and she can play musical instruments and I, and I'm all thumbs when it comes to that. So, right, right. So, I mean, there's, there's a little bit to be said there about the way I was brought up compared to my daughter. So it's, it's, it's all, it's all there. So we have a little bit of everything in our house from that. So I love it. Or to recognize that the, all the people around me are original homeowners that have been there over 50 years, that they've already paid into infrastructure in the city multi times over. So I fought through the budget process over multiple years to get a sidewalk instilled in one of our oldest neighborhoods, a multi-million dollar sidewalk that it breathed life back in. My mom, soon after it was built, was like, man, I saw people out walking on the sidewalk and sitting on the curb and just being a part of the community. It allows people to connect together. It allows them to drive less. And it, it, it was a boost that the neighborhood needed for to make sure that they felt valued. That kind of work is so incredibly important, and a simple sidewalk gives people the option to to move around their community safely, and that way they could get from point A to point B without using their car all of the time. That is so great. Walkable neighborhoods and being built for the young and the old are so crucial to having a beautiful community. Uh, It's actually a tenant that we learn when we study sustainable urban development. I believe that sustainability is where we need to move forward. This idea that you're uh, measuring people, place, and profit in equilibrium. What kind of role do you think this, the mayor has in making sure that Beaverton is, is not only sustainable for all the people that live there, but for you know the plants and trees and everything? Well, I think we have an immense responsibility um, to make sure that this world and planet is left in a healthier environment so our kids can thrive. You know, we know that asthma rates are rising because of, you know, climate change. You know, recently uh, I I asked my fellow colleagues to create a climate action committee after we passed our climate action plan 
because we need community members as an oversight to make sure that we are hitting the targets that we set forward in our climate action plan. In my opinion, they're not aggressive enough. We need to, to, to really rapidly intervene on making sure that this community is solving climate crisis by protecting our trees. We have some really old growth, over 50-year-old trees that we don't have any policy right now protecting them from being cut down. Simple things, tree canopies, you know, making sure that we have contact-sensitive design that we can use sidewalks that maybe move around a tree instead of cutting it down to build a linear sidewalk. But what we have to do is look at every project through the lens of sustainability. We don't have to, there are sometimes we have to remove trees, but we should do them as a last resort when we're building sidewalks in new neighborhoods. Awesome. Thank you so much for that. So are you looking for any help with your campaign? Of course. I think this is a grassroots community campaign. When you are the underdog running against a multi-term uh, incumbent that has access uh, to resources that I don't necessarily have access to, the best way to combat it is by a grassroots on-the-ground campaign. I recognize there are people that can donate to my campaign. And if you're listening to this podcast, uh, baitingforbeaverton.com is a great place you could contribute to my campaign. And I also recognize that people can't always financially give, but could give two hours on a weekend coming out and talking to the neighbor, my neighbors in Beaverton about why we need a young working mom as the mayor of our community. I would welcome and love support like that. That is invaluable. You can, you'll see me out there with my own kid. You can bring your own kids and work with us. We're going to have days dedicated to family canvassing. So you can bring your spouse and your dog and your child and come and talk to 10 or 15 people. That has a meaningful impact in a race like this. Do you have a list of those dates on your website? Uh, not yet, but we will be canvassing every Saturday and Sunday starting Janu the first weekend in January all the way to the election. And if you work on the weekend, I personally will be out almost every single day. You can um, go onto the website and, and send me your contact information. You can join me during the week or you can join my team on the weekends. Can you spell your website for me? It's Beatty, B-E-A-T-Y, F-O-R, B-E-A-V-E-R-T-O-N.com, Beatty for Beaverton. Awesome. And that link will, of course, be in the show notes. So what is something that your supporters might not know about you? Oh, interesting question. Um, I think a lot of people see me in my role now. One of the things that has been probably the most impactful is I am a lacrosse player. I've coached kindergarten, college. Um, I was the state's lacrosse commissioner here in Oregon for a long time, really growing uh, the women's side of the game and empowering young women to coach. Um, now I've been a coach for so long that kids I've coached are coaches, which is such an amazing uh, turn of events. And really athletics gives you such a core foundation of um, making sure that you're contributing and your leadership skills. And I wish what I'm waiting for is for my daughter to turn five so I could start coaching again at the kindergarten level and, and work with her through college. I hope she plays lacrosse because it's such an important um, family thing. My husband plays as well. We, we, we love athletics. I'm a huge sports nerd and a lot of people, a lot of people know that about me, but people just kind of tuning into my race lately might not recognize that. Well, that's a lot of fun too. And sports are absolutely a great groundwork to Steven learn teamwork with athletics aside. And to work with people that maybe think differently than you. 
and make, really making sure that we can treat people, you know, fair. And, and, and I think athletics is just such a great place for young kids to learn those skills. And not everyone will go on to play in mm-hmm. high school or college, but getting our kids out on the field early is an important piece. And being unified with a common goal, right? Exactly. Yeah, I, lo- I love all of that. Uh, we, my kiddo is not as sports inclined, but we do force him to... <laughs> take Aikido and he uh he does well at it but you know sometimes there's that point where you have to like make your kids do a thing even yeah anyway so people can find you at uh say that one more time for me babyforbeaverson.com that's great thank you and is there anything else that you would like our community your supporters and your voters to know about you before we close I would just say that it's time for a, it's time for a change and that we need leadership that is focused on local problems and is going to bring real solutions forward. I also want to know if there's a woman out there that hears this, that's thinking about running for office to reach out and talk to us because we need more women to run at every single level. Our park district, like I said earlier in the podcast was all men. When I first got elected this last May, it turned to all women and they are changing the landscape of what a park district can look like. They're addressing issues of housing instability. They are making sure that our parks are well lit. So women feel safe when they're running through them. They're looking at the registration process to think about working parents differently and prioritizing classes after work. And women just bring a different focus. And I'm excited about what our community is going to look like in the next 10 to 15 years. That's so beautiful. I am so excited that you said yes to this interview. Thank you so much for being on here. Very good luck in your race. And I can't wait to see you as the next mayor of Beaverton. Thank you so much, Lacey, for joining us. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast today. This is Michelle Astley with Balance Shared, a space where I truly believe we are better together. among us who need protection and there's also um, learning takes on a more prevalent role where we can all learn as much as we want as long as we want without going into debt and um, suffering that way Mm -hmm. Um, and that people are really encouraged to follow their own passion um whether that's learning that would be great if it's art that would be great if it's cars and they want to be a mechanic yay go for it Mm -hmm. but that school a school would look much more like a a nurturing um experiential thing than a a textbook and test oriented thing Mm -hmm. um yeah, that's as good as I'm going to get. I, I have no idea what government structure looks like anymore. And I said briefly, too. So that's really beautiful. Yeah, I think that's what I want. That's yeah. that's what would really make me happy to see for my kids' kids. Yeah. I have a 12-year-old, right? And he yeah. is a friend 
uh, <laughs> I, I mention her a lot in these conversations. So mm -hmm. I really hope that she says yes <laughs> to my invitation. To yes. Chat. <laughs> but she identified my kid as a kinesthetic learner when he yeah. was quite young. Yeah. And then we made a choice and we, we don't regret the choices that we've made because we made them very thoughtfully within and whatnot, but every choice comes with challenges, right? Sure. And so the schooling we chose for him, the challenges, they don't answer the kinesthetic learning. Ah. And so, you know, like you said, this textbook. Yeah. And, and he's learning really great things and yep. it could have been done with challenges to help him grow, but maybe less friction that has served adversely. Correct. If we could honor that. Correct. Yeah, no, I agree. I think learning styles are grossly under mm -hmm. uh, played in this country and probably in the world. I don't know, but I, I, I am a different learner too. I'm also a kinesthetic learner and I also can fake it in, in the other realm. Cause I have a great memory, mm -hmm. but at least as a kid, I did. It's changing. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but it does present those challenges for, for people who learn differently. Yeah. You know, have you ever heard of a right brained learner? Yeah. I grew up in the eighties. So I had not heard of this in terms of what it meant. So there's, okay. right, there's right,